Thank you for downloading The Pursuit Podcast. For more information on The Pursuit, visit thepursuitsoco.com. Good morning. You guys can hear? Oh, there I am. Oh, my. Jesus. I don't know about you guys, but I'm a big fan. I am a big, big fan of Jesus. I'll tell you. You know, I love Jesus. I do, you know, and... And, and sometimes, talking to new Christians, and I'm, I'm a passionate guy, you know, I'm like, I'm pretty intense, you guys will probably notice in a minute. But, um, you know, some new Christians are a little uncomfortable. Love, you know, this powerful, passionate love. And I say, that's, yeah, that's how I feel, you know. But um, it's a relationship, you know. And it's okay if you don't maybe feel that powerful love for Jesus. You're just kind of figuring it out, right? That's all right because it's a relationship, you know, and, uh, and that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about a relationship with Jesus, a relationship with God and his desire for it, right? That's what he wants more than anything is a relationship with us, you know, and this, this is an incredible opportunity for me, and I just want to thank Elijah and Christina for giving me this opportunity, and I want to thank my, I got married a couple weeks ago, I don't know if you guys know. My beautiful wife, Lisa, and, uh, and much of our newly blended family is here. Between the two of us, two of us we have eight kids, and uh, the majority of them are here, and that's pretty exciting. I love that. I love that. So how many of you guys have heard of the band Need to Breathe? You guys heard of them? They have got a song right now out that... Uh, that really inspired this message, you know. I found out I was doing this uh, about six weeks ago, and um, God has had me prepare three different messages along the way. <laughs> I had it all dialed in. I was ready to go, and then last week I'm in the shower, and God says, no, you're actually preaching on relationships, so you might want to put something together. <laughs> so that's what I've done. And I'll tell you, I'm, I'm going to read you some of the lyrics of this song, but I, I encourage you when we leave here today, take a listen to this song, because it is about relationship. It's about the relationship that God wants to have with us. So I'm going to read and have a little commentary for you. The song is called Banks. It says, I want to hold you close, but never hold you back, just like the banks to the river. And if you ever feel like you're not enough, I'm going to break all your mirrors. All right? That speaks to identity, doesn't it? Because you are enough. Because of him, you are enough. And he wants us to know that more than anything. I want to be there when the darkness closes in to make the truth a little clearer. Because the darkness isn't the truth. The darkness is a lie. That power has been taken from the enemy. He only has the power we give him because he doesn't have any. Because he's been conquered. The battle's been won. So when that darkness comes in and we're stressed and we're sad and we don't know what to do, that's when Jesus wants to step in and remind you of the truth. The truth that he already did it all and this burden isn't yours to carry. I want to hold you close and never hold you back. I'll be there for your river. You are beautiful and wild at every turn. Who am I to take control of that? Right? That's our uniqueness. 
He wants us to be us. He doesn't have a cookie-cutter little deal that he wants us to fit into. That it's our wildness, our imperfection that makes the relationship more fun for him. Right? What if we were all cookie-cutter, perfect little Christians and we, we just lived that way? Right? First of all, it's not possible. <laughs> and second of all, that's not much of a relationship. Right? If everything's always smooth, where does that relationship grow? Where does that relationship go? He wants relationship with us. He says everybody needs a voice they can follow when the water and the winds get bad. You know my love is not the jealous type, and it don't matter if we win or lose. I could push or I could pull, no matter what you're trying to do, as long as I can flow along with you. I'll be the banks for your river. To me, that's such an incredible visual. I just envision these giant arms of God just being the banks to our river. He doesn't want to control us. He, doesn't, he just wants to be there. He just wants to flow along with us in our lives, through our trials, through our tribulations, through our joys, through our victories, through our failures. He just wants to be there. So that when we are at our lowest, we can come to him and he can lift us up. He can remind us of who we are. He can remind us of who he is. He can remind us of what he has done. Because he wants more than anything to be in relationship with us. 1 John 3.1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. It's not maybe. It's not someday. We are. We are. Even unbelievers are children of God. They just haven't opened up that gift. They just haven't realized the truth and the power behind that reality. And so they don't get to take the benefits of it. Right? Let's look at Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, 8 through 10. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Now, what had just happened previous to this is the story of the fall of Adam and Eve eating the apple, right? Eating the fruit of the tree of good and evil, right? The tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so prior to that, they just walked in the garden in relationship with God. God created them for relationship. God said, let's create them in our image, God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. Let's create man in our own image. Why? So he could have relationship with us. That's why we are here. That's why we were created. We were created for relationship with God. It pleases God to have relationship with us. That's what we were made for. And so they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the, in the cool of the day in the garden. And the man and his wife, after eating this apple, after eating this fruit that they were not supposed to eat, and why weren't they supposed to eat it? Not because God was trying to be this taskmaster, because God wants the best for them. He doesn't want them to live in that reality. And so the Lord called out to the man and said, where are you? Now he knows. He knows what happened. He knows where they are. But he's walking through the garden going, Adam, Eve, where are you guys? What's going on? I miss you. I want, I, I want relationship with you. Where are you? 
And he said, and Adam says, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Now, prior to that, when God would come into the garden, they didn't hide. They weren't ashamed. They were in relationship, in fellowship with God. But what changed when they ate of that fruit? When they got the knowledge of good and evil, they became sin conscious. They became conscious of their sin, and all of a sudden, they were ashamed and didn't feel like they were worthy to be in the presence of God. Isn't that much like our lives today? I don't know about you guys, but when I'm not feeling good about me, I tend to shy away from God. I tend to be farther away from God. God is never far from us. He's always right there. When, when we're feeling far from God, that's us, not him. Right? It says in Romans, I believe it is, it says, when you were hostile towards us or enemies of God in your own mind. That's the only place where enemies of God is in our own mind. God loves us just the way we are. God wants fellowship with us. But it's that sin consciousness that changes everything. If we jump down to Genesis 23 through 24, then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of the tree of life and eat and live forever. So, and lest, like, let's not let that happen, right? Adam and Eve just became conscious of sin. And the first thing God thinks is, we don't want them living forever like this, right? So we can't, we can't let them eat the fruit of everlasting life at this point, right? And so he says, therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. You see, God couldn't stand the thought of us having eternal life, living forever in a state of sin consciousness. Because that really hinders the relationship. That's what he wants. He wants us. He wants relationship. And the moment that humanity became conscious of their own sin and hid from God, he wanted to make sure that that didn't last forever. And see, we've been freed, like we talked about with communion. It's the new covenant that freed us from that condition of sin. Because the old the old covenant, right, was the Mosaic law. It was the law. The law came down, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, blah, 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 right? How did we do with that? Exactly as God expected. Not very well. Right? Because what was the point? It was pointing to Jesus the whole time. The old covenant was never designed to work in the sense that we may think, make us good people. It was set up to point us to Jesus, to show us that without him, we can't do it, which then draws us to him. You know, the new covenant, I find very interesting this new covenant, because a covenant, when you look at the definition, is a contract, okay? It's a contract. So God made a contract between us and him. He didn't really consult us, right? <laughs> he, he made this new covenant, and this new covenant reestablished relationship through the blood of Jesus Christ, 
And so he wrote this contract. He made a new deal between us and him. And then when Jesus died, he took that blood and signed your name to the contract, my name to the contract. He said, this is the way this is going to work now, and I'm volunteering you into it because I love you and I know what's best and I want relationship with you. So through the blood of Jesus, he reestablished that relationship that had been lost because of sin consciousness. It, it, it reestablished a new covenant to where we are now holy and righteous, not because of our own doing, because of what Jesus did on that cross. Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things of the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You ever give that thought? You've been crucified with Christ. I love this term, and I've used it before. We have been co-crucified. In a spiritual sense, and in a spiritual, spiritual reality, we have been co-crucified with Christ. When he died on that cross, you died on that cross. When he was buried in that grave, you were buried in that grave. And when he rose again out of that grave, you rose again. And then because of the incarnation, when he came and became flesh and lived on this earth, when he left after becoming flesh and he went to heaven and he sat at the right hand of the Father, he brought you with him. That's reality. Now, can we renew our minds to it? Right? What would our lives look like if we operated out of the reality that it is finished? That he has truly done it all. He has truly set us free. And that we are seated at the right hand of the Father just as he is. With all of heaven open to us. Spiritual blessings here on earth. We are not subject to what the, this earth does. This earthly place we live is simply a place we live. But the realities that we see are not nearly as real as what he accomplished in a spiritual realm. You know, we can't really experience our full relationship with God when we live in, in a mindset of sin consciousness. Because we're cowering away. We're feeling unworthy. Right? This might surprise a couple of people, but it's okay. God's never really been that concerned with our sin actions. God's concern is the condition of sin. God's concern is our awareness of it. He didn't send Jesus to the cross. He didn't die on that cross because of our sin actions. He went to the cross to solve the condition of sin, to solve our awareness of sin. In the garden, Adam and Eve did not have an awareness of sin. There was no sin. Were they perfect? I don't know. Probably not. Does it matter? This isn't up to us. He already did it. You know, when we're conscious of our sin, when we're feeling bad about things we've done or people we've hurt, and I'm not saying we shouldn't forgive and make amends. Of course, that's, there are consequences to our actions. 
But what I'm saying is that they aren't spiritual, they are natural. We do things in this world that aren't right. Yeah, there are consequences to pay. You can get arrested, you could get in a car. There's all kinds of different things that could happen because of things we do wrong here in our natural environment, right? But on a spiritual sense, once you know Jesus, it's done, it's over, you are saved, and that's not going to change. It isn't our actions he's concerned with. It's us living in a consciousness of sin under the condition of sin that is what separates us from God not separate God from us separates us from God in our own minds we pull back because we feel unworthy and when we feel unworthy and not good about ourselves we tend to shy away and pull back a little bit from God or is it just me <laughs> you guys too okay good I'm on the I'm on the right track but when we're focused on him and our relationship with him sin loses all its power and so it's the heavenly realms is where we need to put our minds. We focus on sin, that's what we're going to get. Focus on him, we're going to get more of that. He wants relationship. That's why we're here. We were created for relationship with God. And it's not like, I used to think this. I used to think, well, you know, God can't be in the presence of sin. What? He took it all upon himself. Of course he can be in the presence of sin. He's been in the presence of sin many times. It's that God doesn't want us conscious of it so that we can have a free-flowing relationship with him without being inhibited with our own poor thoughts, our own, our own, I'm losing the word, self-condemnation. Because we're righteous. Each and every one of us, anyone that knows Jesus, is fully righteous and sanctified and holy, not because of us, because of him, because of what he did. What we do doesn't really have a lot to do with it. John 14, 6 through 7 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Because Jesus is the Father. The Father is Jesus. The Holy Spirit is Jesus, and Jesus is the Holy Spirit. It's a triune God. And we know him because he knows us. He actually, God himself, came to this earth and died to reestablish relationship with you. You know, they, uh, they asked Jesus once, what must we be doing to be doing the works of God? And Jesus responded to them, and said, this is the works of God. Believe in him whom he has sent. That was it. There wasn't a long laundry list after that. Totally. Believe in him whom he had sent. And if you look that word believe up in the Greek, that word is pastuo. And pastuo means be willing to be persuaded. This isn't some, oh, I gotta believe. Wow. I really gotta work at this believe thing. 
If I could only believe, that's my job, if I could only believe, then all this would open up for me. It's not that hard. He really made this easy for us. Because all we need to do is be willing to be persuaded that what he says in his word is true. We just need to be willing to be persuaded that what he said he accomplished on the cross, he did. We just need to be willing to be persuaded, not convinced. Willing to be persuaded, open to the idea that you are perfect the way you are. That you are holy and righteous and fully acceptable by God. Just be willing to be persuaded that it's true. You know, I've used the term in the past, effortless Christianity. That freaks some people out sometimes, you know. Oftentimes we get our, our identity wrapped up in our works, you know. But, but really, <laughs> he did the work. He did all the work. We just need to renew our minds to that reality. You know, in the world, in the world, we achieve. We chase after things. We work hard, right? And, if, and in the world, if you achieve and you do well, you gain your identity from that, right? And from that identity, we feel accepted. That's the way the world works. That's not how God works. In God's world, you're accepted. And from that, you get your identity. And then the fruit will flow. The work will happen. The achievement will occur. But we have it backwards. And, then, and so much of how church has been and our Christian walk has been is modeled after what we see and how the world operates. God doesn't work like the world does. He works very, very differently than the world does. We got to get our minds wrapped around that because we're constantly sucked back into the system we see in front of us. And so we're always fighting to feel accepted. We're always fighting to try and create some identity so we can feel good about ourselves. But if we renew our mind to the reality of what Christ did on that cross, when he said it is finished, he meant it. You are accepted. There's your identity. Right? The fruit, it's his fruit. It's his fruit. It's not our fruit. It's not our effort. It's his. And it will flow out of our lives when we get our minds right and renewed to the reality of who he is and what he did and how much he loves us. That fruit will flow when we renew our, our minds to the reality that we are perfect and holy and righteous, not because of our own doing, obviously. We're a wreck. <laughs> Most of the time, we're a mess. And he loves us that way. He absolutely loves us that way. And we love him because he first loved us. Let's not give ourselves so much credit. <laughs> right? It's not us, people. It's him. And it's so much easier when we let it be him. Let it be him. Let go. We don't have to do it. He already did it. 
Look at Romans chapter 5, 17 through 19. For if because of one man's trespass, that would be Adam, back to the garden, right? One man's trespass, one man's mistake, one man's poor decision, that was Adam. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Let's read that again. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more, much more will those who receive don't, go, don't have to go grab it. Don't have to dig it up. Don't have to go make some money and buy it at the store. For those who receive. Receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. You didn't earn it. You didn't read enough of your Bible to be righteous. You are righteous because he says you're righteous. You are righteous because you believe you're righteous because he tells it to us. Receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. Reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Reign in life. What does that mean? Sounds pretty good. Reign in life. See, we don't just, we're not just going along for the ride, coasting along. We're meant for greatness. We are meant for greatness. We will do great things. We will touch people in great ways. We will make a huge difference in the world if we just let him do it through us. We don't have to grind it. We don't have to push it. He wants to participate. He wants to be the banks to your river. He wants to partner with you, just like Elijah told me that day. He wants to partner with you with what you want to do. We're not sitting around waiting to see what he wants us to do. He's sitting around waiting to do with us what we want to do. Yeah. You know, the Bible says he gives us the desires of our heart. That's two things. I believe he gives us the desire in our heart, and then he gives us that desire. Yeah. Right? That's good. It's him. It is him. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. See, and it, <laughs> it's interesting to me. You know, he, he made us righteous, not for him. He didn't make us righteous so he could accept us. He made us righteous so we could accept us. He made us righteous so we could accept him. He didn't do any of this for him. He did this all for us. Because when we feel righteous, when we feel holy, how powerful are we in his kingdom? When we feel condemnation and less than and unworthy, that's not very powerful for his kingdom. Is that a representation of God? Uh, I'm a Christian. <laughs> and it's hard. Who wants to be a part of that? 
Now, I don't recommend running around all your unbelievers, I'm holy and righteous, you know, and they might take that a little weird, but that is the reality of it because of what he's done. Because of what he's done. He wants to be the banks to your river. He wants relationship with you more than anything. That is the most important thing. Everything else flows out of that relationship. And none of it is as hard as we make it. Even salvation. Salvation is so simple. You know, it says in the Bible that one died for all. All. Jesus died for every single person on this planet. Before, now, in the future, all. One act of obedience. He died for all. And I like to think of it as it's this gift. It's this box. We got this box. It's beautiful. It's got a bow, wrapping paper, the whole bit. Every single human being that has ever heard anything about Jesus has got that box sitting right in front of them. Some people open it. Some people don't. Doesn't change the reality of what he did for you. It only changes your experience of it. I chose to open the box. Most of us here chose to open the box. It's a free gift, right? You know, this, this striving and striving to do good works and be a good Christian and all, right? That's exhausting. If we surrender to him, the fruit will be the fruit. Is it really fruit when we do it? I don't know. Maybe. He's partnering. But it's the striving. It's this... I'm not good enough unless that we need to get rid of. You are good enough, more than good enough. Because God's final destination was us. You guys know that, right? God, the Holy Spirit, dwells within us. Each and every one of us that knows Jesus has an uncreated part. Think about that. We are God's creation. But dwelling within us is an uncreated part. And that's him. That's him. He wants us in touch with that. He wants us righteous and holy in our minds because we know who we carry. We carry him. All of him. All of the time. That is the gift that he has given us. That is freedom. Freedom will set you free, right? If get, if we, we are set free, but oftentimes we don't feel like it. Yeah. It's him. It is him. He wants to be the banks to your river. He wants to be your cheerleader. He wants to be your partner. Let's listen to him. You know? I'll tell you, it's, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I love preaching the Word of God. I hope you guys are enjoying it, but I'm doing it for me. <laughs> and the reason I love it so much, I love preparing, I love delivering it, because in my relationship with God, that's when I feel the closest to Him. That's when He speaks to me the most. Last week, He spoke to me in the shower and said, You're preaching on relationship. I said, but that's not the messages I have prepared. He said, exactly. 
He just wants to partner with us, and he wants us to see that what he did was enough. Yeah. He didn't leave anything left. There's nothing left for us to do except receive. The fruit, the works, operating in our gifts will all work much better when we let him do it through us. Because it's relationship. And every relationship is different. Everyone is unique. Every relationship you have with people, your children, they're all unique. It's beautiful, as is our relationship with God. And they grow and they change, just like any other relationship. That's what he wants. So I just pray we focus on the relationship. Everything else will flow from there. And it's so much easier. It is so much less stress when we realize what he has really done for us. And we just, we open the box and we say yes. We just open the box. Say yes. You know, if you don't know Jesus here this morning, I will just, not going to do an altar call or anything like that. I'm just saying, there's a box in front of you. And that box holds the most incredible gift you will ever ever receive in your life it is a gift of freedom it is a gift that only can come from God and he's not going to make you open it you know it's like dealing with our kids I don't want to make my kids do something I want them to do it because they want to right I don't want to make my kids love me I want them to love me because they love me God's the same way. He's not intrusive. He's always right there, just waiting for us to say, yes, I don't, I don't fully get it, but I'm willing to be persuaded. I'm willing to be persuaded that what I heard today could be true. I'm willing to be persuaded that what the Bible says is true. I'm willing to be persuaded that when Christ died on that cross and I said yes to him, something in me changed that I didn't do. Be willing to be persuaded. Just, it's a relationship. Get to know him. Spend a little time talking to him. Go to church, read a Bible, just explore. You don't have to make a decision. You don't have to be convinced. You just have to be willing to be persuaded. That's all God is asking. He will take care of the rest. He will take care of the rest. So I just want to pray for everybody. You guys stand up. Oh, you know, <laughs> I feel so thankful for him. And, 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 and I find this oftentimes when I'm, I'm walking the dog or going for a run or I'm in the shower. and All, all I can think of is, thank you, Jesus. I, I don't have any other words to describe what he's done, what he's doing, what he will do. I can just say, thank you, Jesus. He knows my heart. He knows your heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Father, I thank you for this morning and this incredible opportunity. And I just pray that, that you would stir this in us. That as we leave here today, Lord, that you would provide continuing revelation. Continuing revelation in what you have done, who you are, and what you're about. 
I just pray continuing revelation of your love and our righteousness and our holiness because of you and what you did. And I just pray, Lord, that anyone that hasn't opened the gift would seriously consider it. You can box it back up, stuff it back in there if you want to, but I don't think you'll want to. Oh, Jesus, thank you so much. All that you've done, all that you are, all that you've done in this house, all that you've done in these people and in our hearts. I just pray for continuing freedom, depth of relationship, depth of understanding, and that we would be willing to be persuaded that you are as good as you say you are. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to The Pursuit Podcast. For more information about The Pursuit, visit us at thepursuitsoco.com.